0: We were stuck indoors and forced to look, not just at ourselves, but at our shelves. We ran out of things to do, so dyed our hair, got into skincare, and painted ceilings blue. Thank you for my poetry debut on this semester.
1: Yeah, thank you, Alicia, for what I think was a wonderful slice of pandemic-era poetry, what it sounded like anyway, born of the quarantine, Mm. the shelves, the selves, the hair all these kind of things. And thank you, listeners, for tuning back into Sour Scene, the podcast all about designing the beautiful, sustainable, tactile future. Right now, we're heavy in the midst of our fashion semester. And on today's episode, we're talking about all things hair, all things fast homewares, and all things storage, which I guess often plays into homewares. Wardrobes. It's
0: true. A good little connection we can Yeah. So thank you all for listening and tuning in every week. We really appreciate it. All of you who are subscribing on YouTube, we have a little counter that we flip over every time one of you subscribe and it makes us both smile. So thank you so much. We appreciate you.
1: The parametry reads quite well into my first point about hair in the solar scene, which is the idea of the barbershop, the idea of the cultural hub that is the salon, I think those two things are interchangeable, even though I think they have different kind of connotations. Mm -hmm. And also the sometimes scary, sometimes exciting prospect of cutting one's own hair, which like many others, I did do for the first time during the pandemic and have continued with your help to do so since then. And I don't like the results. (laughs) it, It never looks nice. Ever. No. But I do like the feeling of, at least I'm the one who who botched this, rather than paying for the privilege to some for somebody else to botch this. Maybe it's because I'm a poor communicator, or I've just had bad choice in hairdressers. But I can pretty confidently say I've never been to a barber shop or adjacent place and left feeling happy with what they've done. <laughs> but also it might just say something about my head shape or my, indeed my face. And you do you
0: like, angles on the back of your head? right as someone who cuts your hair so maybe that is
1: yeah you do talk about the the corners
0: yeah the corners i feel
1: like her head shouldn't have corners they
0: should be round i'm pretty sure like (laughs) that's i don't know a lot about anatomy but i think that's one
1: have you ever cut your own hair
0: just my bangs
1: right yeah i remember it it was kind of like a rite of passage in my house i have three sisters pretty sure that at one point each of them has been caught with scissors (laughs) cutting their hair which again sounds like a really unsafe thing but I think that's just a thing that a lot of kids go through.
0: Yeah, a lot of kids do that. No one in my family ever did that, fortunately.
1: But anyway. do like it's traumatic. So maybe we can draw the connection that in the pandemic, that childlike impulse became more normalized or accepted for adults. It's also kind of related here to the topic of intuitive cutting, which, as you don't know, is a really dumb name that I found online, which just refers to like, Cutting your hair to match the shape of your head and it's kind of personalized for each person, Mm. which just seems to me like a haircut from anybody who knows remotely what they're doing.
0: Haircut from anywhere outside of the army.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I think the stuff's usually dry. But Mm. for the barber shop, maybe it's different for women. Have you had any pleasant experiences there?
0: Yeah, I really like the salon. I feel like the salon that I go to, I know everyone there because I've been going there my entire life.
1: It's a salon hairdresser, those two different... Do they do nails or other stuff, though?
0: Yeah, I guess lawns probably more often will do nails or do facials, those sorts of things. Mm. But a hairdresser obviously just does hair.
1: You have a good relationship with your hairdresser?
0: I do. Until pretty recently, I suppose it comes with age and, like, learning more technical names for things. But until recently, I couldn't. I always hated my haircut.
1: Do you show a picture?
0: Yeah, sometimes.
1: Ooh. I tried to do that last time, and the guy just kind of laughed at me made me feel really bad about my pinterest
0: <laughs> He was like mm, woman
1: yeah basically because i i gave him the phone because i'd come prepared for once in my life yeah and it did that thing where in the passing the photo like it moved to a different page yeah just the rest of pinterest and he was like what's this and i was like <laughs> oh just give me a second <laughs> sweating already um but the barbershop seriously though i think in the solo scene it's a really pleasant space and I know it's like a big thing, the Black Barbershop is kind of a, an existing community hub or haven, whatever you want to call it. Obviously, I'm not the best to, to speak on that, but I've often thought that just seems like such a pleasant idea. Go there, maybe not even to get your own haircut.
0: Yeah, just to hang out.
1: Yeah, or get your beard shaved or whatever it may be.
0: Yeah, I told you I was reading Farewell to Arms and in this book, halfway through, the main character has already gone to the salon times probably male or female male so i guess the barbershop yeah and it's just like obviously we literally cannot even afford that right now but in the mm. solo scene it will be perhaps more accessible but also just yeah more commonly like just gonna pop down maybe yeah get- trim
1: it's one of those a trim it's one of those things where it's become more kind of democratic because now you know it just costs 30 bucks to buy yourself the equipment and youtube is free mm-hmm. and bing bang boom everybody can cut their own hair but maybe in some senses, it's a nice thing to have this one wizard in the town who mm. can just snip everybody's hair like magic and you go there and weirdly intimate also. I mean, yeah, I, I think sure. that's kind of a meme, but there is a sense of loyalty you've talked about. You go back to Nova Scotia. I like can cross the country <laughs> to get your hair cut. Like when you put it like that, it's so yeah, ridiculous. it's kind of wild. But there is a sense of intimacy essentially among strangers that's so rare today.
0: Yeah, it completely locks. And it's just like, the desecration of public spaces in general. The pandemic obviously really accelerated it, but I feel like had the pandemic not happened, it still would have been declining. Yeah, because the hairdressers are one thing, but it's like even no one eats out anymore. Mm. Like if they're gonna eat out, they'll probably get takeout. Right. I imagine dude,
1: instead you'll just find YouTube videos about how to make restaurant quality
0: X. Exactly, and even I've noticed recently, just the last week or two, a lot of my friends are like. Can't afford to go to the coffee shop anymore so just like not even going to coffee shops which is just like such a wild thing to me because that felt like one of the last public spaces that people would go to and use so in the solo scene i just think these spaces will be safeguarded and people obviously financially will be able to afford it but even just like they'll be more common i suppose yeah so i don't even know where the nearest restaurant is to us to be honest like <laughs> any restaurant that i would like want to go and eat at yeah or barbershop no last idea. time
1: last time when i went to a barber shop, after which i've kind of vowed not to do so mm-hmm. the guy was vaping and i was like what a, what am i doing <laughs> why am i paying for this
0: yeah when i cut your hair i don't vape.
1: that's true a farewell to arms you mentioned i'm going to read a quote from a novel called tender is the night by f scott fitzgerald which this passage is always weirdly stuck with me it's from the beginning of chapter 12 for anybody who wants to read along and it's these Americans who are in, in France in a restaurants, and they're kind of remarking on the lack of repose, as they call it, that all the men there have. Repose kind of meaning, I guess, a sense of peace or self-assuredness in their appearance. And so the passage says, A well-dressed American had come in with two women who swooped and unself unselfconsciously around a table. Suddenly, he perceived that he was being watched whereupon his hand rose spasmodically and arranged a phantom bulge in his necktie. In another unseated party, a man endlessly patted his shaven cheek with his palm, and his companion mechanically raised and lowered the stub of a cold cigar. The luckier ones fingered eyeglasses and facial hair, the unequipped stroked blank mouths, or even pulled desperately the lobes of their ears. And it goes on, and I think that anybody watching on YouTube might be saying, but that's you guys. And it yeah, really it is yeah i'm very unreposed mm-hmm. in fact right now i think my hand is in my holy cut hair
0: you think you're unsure
1: i'm unsure i don't know
0: <laughs> I'm determined. i don't
1: even know what happens back there or up there <laughs> but yeah so this was kind of a solo scene point for me is that i really like the idea of it being not a burden because i think whether it's that people have become more anxious or has become more crazy but it's so normal that's men and women, like, every three seconds will have to do one of the Bieber flicks or just use their hand to kind of move it out of the way. And I feel like, you know...
0: Didn't used to happen.
1: I don't know if that's the case because I didn't used to exist, but I think that currently it's a little bit crazy sometimes.
0: Yeah, we could bring back hats in the solo scene, perhaps. Mm. Because, like, not always. I mean, I like the look of hair quite a lot, but there's probably some instances where we could rely more on hats to keep our hair... In place and just like not a burden to us. I feel like any part of your wardrobe, appearance, like things shouldn't be a burden. Like they should right. serve you, you shouldn't serve them sort of thing.
1: If I just lift off lift off some hats and you tell me about whether they're so seen or not. Okay. AKA soul or not. Baseball caps. Soul. Doras. Unsoul. Cowboy hats. Unsoul. The Canadian toque. Soul. Visors. Soul. Top hats. And soul. Bike helmets. Soul. <laughs> yeah. Desperately soul. What if we just wore those casually?
0: We yeah. could. Yeah. Something, you
1: safe. something to be said for that.
0: Well, when I got home this morning, I walked in with just like a helmet and like went about making my lunch for a moment then right. realized there's a helmet on my head before I take that off.
1: Maybe they could be kind of like Transformers. Mm. They could be more casual. Yeah. But along the lines of keeping your hair out of your face, something I really like about the hair industry, which I think you're going to talk about a little bit more is all the tiny, almost always for women, clips and brushes and bands and Ooh. like there's so many little colorful I bows about- and ribbons and butterflies and worms and spiders. And, <laughs> I don't know if they're usually insect based, but you know, little yeah. dots, flowers, flowers yeah. in the hair. That's something nice.
0: There's a <laughs> stylist that I follow on Instagram and she does videos giving people tips on how to level up their looks up. sort of yeah. and she often targets it towards women but recently has done a series towards men and she's like guys get some clips Do you and that... I I agree with that honestly
1: what are clips cool can you explain the vernacular of these things to me because I know about scrunchies
0: scrunchies are elastic
1: yeah but scrunchies kind
0: of this is fun they're
1: fun they're wide so clips so we little... scrunchies you can buy them on the website <laughs>
0: Clips are mechanisms that pinch your hair and hold them in place.
1: Do they pinch your scalp?
0: No. They just pinch the hair. And as we've gone over, hair doesn't have feelings.
1: Right. Right? (laughs) Make me sound, I don't even know what, like either three months old or just an actual, should I say that? It's a joke. Very frequently, I'll just squeeze Alicia's hair as hard as I can until my knuckles are white and I'm like that hurts doesn't it and she says no it doesn't it's not pulling I'm just squeezing it but it feels like it should hurt yeah well, it's think, part of you yeah it's part of you mm. and that's something else this makes me sound like an alien but it just comes out of your scalp mm. and it you know when I draw people especially women the hair goes up like crazy spaghetti gravity defying gravity defying but quite often it will drape down is said mm. in real life
0: gravity abiding
1: gravity abiding but it's we almost like just these sentient flesh-based chia pets. We are. And sometimes you have to clip it and cut it. Like, it's such a bizarre thing, but so cool. Mm-hmm. Same time, nails. Yeah. Like, nails don't have anywhere near the same appeal.
0: No, but they're spe- I feel like nails are especially weird. Like, why are they hard? Yeah, what's with that? Like, we don't have a shell, but on a tiny part of our body, we have a little shell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Finger shells. Yeah. So you call them tip shells. Yeah. What's your favorite haircut? Because I'm often weary, especially in the semester, which can seem so subjective and aesthetic, that the podcast doesn't just turn into us talking about the hair and clothes that we like. And in the utopia, this is how people dress. Like we try and riff on it in a more general sense, right, and make more more wide statements about the the industry or the whole art form or the practice or the accessibility or the lifestyle of hair or clothes and their, their cultural relevance. Let's say. But just hair, let's kind of geek out, as they say. What's your favorite hair?
0: Right now I'm really loving the the long not the long bob, like a short bob. Kind of like if you grew your hair out for another like five months. Yeah. Like I like uh close to the head, but not like a not shaved Mm. sort of thing. I think that looks cool on everybody and like no one really does it because you either go for like the long hair like me or the short hair like you. That in between is a bit more rare. I don't mean a mullet, just like uh, a really short. I think it's cool, easy to maintain. Right. And because it's short, it changes quite quickly. That's cool. Whereas once you reach a certain length as a woman or a man with long hair, a person (laughs) with long hair, it just will like kind of look the same. Yeah. For years.
1: I like that you mentioned the changes rather quickly because hair is kind of like this really practical and obvious medium for what I talked about in a previous episode about upgrades. I said fashion, what's so neat about it in the solo scene is that you'll be able to upgrade it, level it up like a video game character, and hair it literally will just grow. Yeah. If we're if you're lucky. And not only that, but it kind of grows for free. That's you don't have true. to like pay for an extra three inches. You just have to wait.
0: Yeah, and, and... I feel like there's been like an industry around hair growth. Yeah. For people course. who don't need it, perhaps. It's like, well you can grow it like fifteen percent faster. Yeah. But it's like I'm gonna talk about this later when we talk about fast homewares, but I feel like everything private has just been commodified. Like hair growth is private. We don't need <laughs> an industry surrounding it's-
1: They'll find a way.
0: Maintenance or whatever it's, but it's been, yeah, Subscription modified. model. Yeah, exactly.
1: But I was just constr- contrasting it with fast fashion and how easy and kind of free it is to adjust your hair when, the, when you want to change it and you discard the old stuff, snip it, um, it's not like it will take forever to decompose or you have to drop it off at the thrift store or something.
0: Did you know there's an industry making textiles out of human hair?
1: Yeah, I, I wish I'd... I i do not want to know that. <laughs> Would you buy a shirt out of human hair? No. What if it was my hair? No. What if I um, had a tragic sea accident and all you had left wear was my hair?
0: Would you wear it? Perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the like Victorian era, hair jewelry was a big thing. People would make it for their lovers or just for themselves out of their own hair. Would like, you wear like crocheted a, necklaces. A
1: bracelet made out of my hair and strung on it were my teeth. Oh my god. Sorry for any listeners, this <laughs> no. but what I was kind of um also mentioning with the your favorite hair and you had a sneak disc there on the mullets, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing you don't like.
0: I don't really like mullets, no.
1: They're ugly. And I was kinda of getting <laughs> the point here about how because hair and fashion is so closely linked to The dating landscape right like so often it's just i'll dress this way even if you take i'll dress this way because it appeals to men or women and i was just kind of chuckling about the fact that i think both men and women really get that frequently wrong in terms of what they think men or women like and obviously there's the point about self-expression and how you know it can be for your own benefit but also Like, eight times out of ten, people are trying to snag young people, let's say.
0: Yeah.
1: So, I was kind of thinking about the mullets, right? And it's like, what went wrong?
0: I don't know. Mullets are one thing that I don't think I'll ever understand.
1: But I don't, this is what, like, I feel like most women don't like them. It's true. So, where does it come from? It's
0: just maybe just for the boys.
1: For the boys, like, F T B.
0: But for the girls, for women who have mullets, just like yeah. it's interesting. It's mm-hmm. edgy. Edgy. Because I suppose people used to dye their hair as a sort of edgy thing, but now everyone does it. But the mullet is like an edgy statement.
1: Yeah, it's this kind of funny like balance between the self expression and the I won't say people pleasing, but trying to look maybe a little bit more not objectively, but by the consensus attractive on the whole of fashion and hair, and yet what most people find attractive is just what's confident and maybe true to themselves, which mm-hmm. might not be what's attractive.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're in the deep south on a ranch, then maybe the mullet is... Tennis theory. ...is going to be attractive. I don't know why. That's where the feel like they fit in, but that's where they... Yeah. It's kind of their natural habitat. It's,
1: it's a little bit about, like, androgyny, right? Like... Yeah. Hair that doesn't look necessarily gendered either way can look really neat
0: yeah that way. was my favorite haircut is basically it's the most androgynous
1: right because you said on men or women yeah yesterday we were rock climbing we saw a woman who had shaved heads
0: Oh my days there was someone in my yoga class this with a shaved head and i was like this just suits them so perfectly
1: yeah intuitive, hair, intuitive cutting.
0: hair cutting there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but some and, people can rock like really anything yeah but the mullet
1: i need to find something that i can rock on my corners corners of my my head that is
0: picturing sure a sure really esoteric like <laughs> editorial haircut on you now.
1: Yeah. We're kind of neat, though. Sewer so seen hair. Bangs. Mm-hmm. That, that's my personal favorite haircut. Mm-hmm. And I was looking into it a little bit. This has nothing to do with the scene. I just thought this could be kind of our... <laughs> the expose on bangs, I guess. Okay. Because <laughs> when else on this podcast? Never. Never. So bangs were originally the term comes from a hacker that was just bang off. It's just, as there's a good word for it. Okay. It's just bang off, just cut. Okay. Cut off like right that. Bangs. I see. Except it wasn't on humans. Very originally, it was on horses. Oh. It was a way of styling the actual ponytails. I see. Yeah. Wow. But then it kind of pivoted to, to bangs or as in the UK, they call it fringes. I'm sure other countries have different mm-hmm. names for it. In the 1600s, the church cautioned against bangs as a sign of vanity to quote, a slide into mortal sin.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you gotta ask questions about the church. Yeah. Especially but, in the 16th century.
1: There's also this hairstyle that I found called the Dutch boy bob, which as oh, far as I, I can about, tell yeah. is basically the coconut head. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks so funny to me.
0: Yeah. I guess bangs, because I suppose women weren't supposed to cut their hair, so it's like it's that was obviously a very clear, like, I'm cutting my hair even if it's not Ooh. off the length.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think bangs are not the most practical thing,
1: I think bangs are the most human spirit soul haircut there is. Men, women, ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, Audrey Hepburn. I think it's bangs are today, yesterday, and tomorrow. I think bangs are, it's like the bread of hair. Bangs.
0: No, but do you think so in the Soul scene, people will have more bangs?
1: Yeah, I do think so. Because for some reason, I think there's, I don't know if this is actually true. I feel like there's a bit of a, connotation that bangs have where they have a bit of a reputation
0: yeah i mean when i was young it was just like standard you reach a certain age and you grow your bangs out and people used to make fun of you for like getting bangs but they're coming back into them out well like right now they're growing out
1: oh they become normal then
0: yeah but there's kind of this in between awkwardness where like you can't wear them over your eyes because it'll cover them of course you have to wear them like curtain bangs and yeah, i think bangs are cool easy you can cut them yourself and we don't like the tiny bangs though.
1: Why well, do I, Those don't, want to, in the I same, don't want to make any political statements?
0: They're in the same <laughs> category as
1: the mullets,
0: I think. Both kind of just trying to make a statement. Very political haircuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was curious about hairstyles that kind of sweep the nation, become a massive trend almost out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. The Rachel. Do you think in the solo scene we will have these kind of celebrity influenced? Or is this, just, this is just the nature of aesthetic trends? Of course, we'll go from one thing to the next. Do so you think that's how it will go?
0: Yeah, I think so. Because I, just th- I don't think it's ever going to reach a point where we just have an ideal, like there's like a platonic ideal of hair, body, no. everything. Like it's always going to twist and turn. just was, depends on...
1: I was just kind of thinking that perhaps with TikTok and the internet's almost to a degree making everything okay, making mm. everything fashionable, that maybe this is not always such a bad thing people talk about culture maybe having stagnated which i do kind of agree with but also i feel like there aren't many haircuts today that people would wear that would be outright unfashionable
0: yeah i agree with that
1: so maybe that's a good thing
0: yeah i was thinking about this this morning about the trends and hair especially like obviously that's what we were talking about today but i think on a wide scale it's just like everything goes but as someone who comes in and out of hobbies, different groups of people, you notice slight shifts in, like, of the concentration, because, like, as <laughs> I already said, I was in, like, I'm, I've am started doing hot yoga recently, and I noticed this morning, I was so irritated by my hair during the class, that mm. I look around like, I'm, like, the only person with long hair here, mm. and so, like, maybe that's why, like, you start doing this kind of hobby, and obviously your hair has to be shorter, because it will be uncomfortable if you have long hair, And then I remember in ballet, when I used to do that like full time, there was one girl who had a very short haircut, so couldn't put her hair in a bun and was like an outlier. It's like, you can't really have that because you need to have it in a bun. That's Mm -hmm. just like what we do here sort of thing. And it's like at large, no, none of these people are going to stand out on the street as like, oh, they have like a yoga haircut or a ballet haircut, but when they're all together, yeah, they kind of congregate. I'm that will always be the case, but maybe more so on like a macro scale, as hobbies come into vogue and go out of vogue, it'll change a bit. Like maybe rock climbing is coming into vogue, so people will start to dress and act and yeah. cut their hair more in that style. But I feel like that's kind of how it's going to be impacted in the soul scene, a bit less so with celebrities. A, a
1: bit a less celebrity kind of top down, a bit more ground up about yeah. rock climbing is neat. I'm going to get me one of those rock climbing cuts, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah, that is kind of a cool idea. I guess probably the the clearest example that I have of the top-down haircuts beside the Rachel, which is kind of a... Maybe you had to be there for that anyway, is the powdered wigs. Because I've always been really curious about that. Why were they powdered? Why were they wig? <laughs> like, why? In general, in the 17th century, I think is what it was. And I want that these powdered wigs came about because there were two kings of this time mm-hmm. who were just losing their hair. Yeah. And it was either because of, like, early hair loss or syphilis or something like this. So, uh, yeah, the wigs came about. And the powder is basically just to keep away lice. Yeah. Keep them, keep them clean or yeah. extensively cleaner anyway.
0: Whenever I hear powdered wig, I just picture, like, an immense level of, like, grime. Because mainly because yeah. of the lice. but
1: Also, George Washington. Yeah. He had red hair he just powdered it white what yeah so weird exposés on the sewing. scene
0: mm.
1: <sighs> can i just mention one more haircut yeah or hairstyle should i say it's called the tuck
0: oh not maybe the you tuck. can
1: explain this one to the listeners
0: so you know when you put on a sweater yeah and you have long hair your hair just stays underneath unless you pull it out that's the tuck is right. when it's tucked into the sweater aaron seems to really like that look but I know anyone with long hair will agree with me, it's very uncomfortable. But
1: it looks comfortable. <laughs> it's it looks not... warm. It's so itchy. Like if I had long hair and it was winter and I put mm. on a jumper and it just stayed below, I wouldn't be I so don't... quick to scoop it out like <laughs> you are. Just leave it in there at least for a few minutes.
0: I've I've tried.
1: I like the way the hair kind of smoothly fits, like it just looks like it goes nowhere.
0: Yeah. I've seen people do the top stylistically, like really? on runways and stuff. Yeah. Mm. So it's not as well, it's pretty underground. Okay. The tuck's pretty underground, but.
1: I'm a little bit ahead of the curve. Yeah. Slightly ahead of the curve.
0: I could see it becoming comfortable if you had really, really soft hair. Do
1: you think that's what they call it? Yeah. Pillow tuck, maybe.
0: Mm. Yeah. So if anyone's looking for any, like, inspiration of how to look more futuristic, just.
1: Oh, I got tons of ideas.
0: Tuck or collar. And yeah. yeah. Powdered wigs, yay or nay? Nay.
1: Oh, that's a nay. It's nay. Okay, I was good. just always curious whenever I watched Pirates in the Caribbean. What's
0: With going that? on there? Yeah. Yeah, I think wigs are just, like, uncomfortable, generally, like, if you have hair. but I understand them for people who want more hair or different hair. Like, it has a place and it's cool and, like, a pretty... I feel like it's not a completely immoral industry, so... Yeah. No harm.
1: I think the other thing with hair in the sewers scene is that, obviously, humans age and will continue to do so in the sewer scene. And hair is one of those things that changes all worsens as you age
0: i was going to talk about this and
1: it greys it falls out it recedes if you're a man Mm -hmm. and how do you think perhaps our attitude or behaviors toward this in the solo scene differ from today
0: i think aging is very beautiful and it's very like cliche but i just think it's super recent the objectification of like youthfulness like obviously youthfulness has always been a beauty standard, but I also just think it's not that long ago that like men who looked aged and rugged were like the ideal
1: Yeah, I've always found it weird rewatching Seinfeld when George Costanza mm-hmm. is made fun of obviously for being overweight, poor, kind of an idiot, and bold. It's yeah. like the ball isn't like Yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's not really in his control.
0: Yeah. Kind of so I just think that's something that hopefully is already shifting. I've seen within my lifetime just, like, women with gray hair owning it a bit more. Yeah. And I've always found gray, silver, white hair, like, beautiful and, like, desirable. There <laughs> was a you So
1: you to dye your hair gray?
0: I really wanted to, but then I, someone, probably you, said to me, it's going to go gray. Like, yeah. just wait kind of thing. I'm like, that's true. But it's the I-
1: same reason I never really want to get a buzz cut. It's mm-hmm. so, but- like, come to you anyway
0: yeah but i just think it's cool and i think in the soul scene it will continue to evolve same with skin texture and stuff it's like 100 percent out of your control and like people will try and sell to you alternatives so that's just a waste of money and time it's like maybe you can make your skin one percent less wrinkly or your hair one percent less gray but like i feel like owning it is cool and perhaps if you own it and stress about it less the change will come later
1: yeah one thing that i do think with hair though <laughs> I texted you this a couple of weeks ago that it's, maybe I was being melodramatic in the text as usual. I said something like, it's a tragedy that most people never find their hairstyle. Mm-hmm. One that they really like, that shapes their face well. And I, I kind of stand by that. I do think yeah. it's a sad thing and I do think most people never kind of maximize it. Maybe this is incredibly kind of superficial thing for me to say. What do you think?
0: No, I think it's a, we don't have enough options opportunities as i was saying because haircuts are so expensive people get them once every two years now yeah because so like you can't really experiment with it
1: i also think the internet's it it seemingly puts the information in your own hands but really it gives you standardized versions of everything so for instance it's like well i know i'm an in, i'm an autumn there's the color scheming thing mm-hmm. because the internet showed me this infographic but it's like mm-hmm. if you actually went to Someone who knew what they were doing, the wizard who cuts the town's hair, mm-hmm. maybe he would, through intuitive hair cutting, be able to just assess your head in real time.
0: Yeah, the woman who did my hair for our wedding, I remember asking her, what do you think would look best for me? Just, like, do what you think would look best. And she said, no, I don't like making those kinds of decisions. I'm like, that's... That's your job. It's <laughs> literally your job. Like, you trained for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've done that almost every time that I've been there. Only recently I showed a picture. Yeah. It never works, but it's always wrong in a different way, which I guess is interesting. It's true. And an unpredictable way.
0: Totally. Do you want to take a guess on how many skincare products and makeup products a person uses every day? A woman, usually. Average woman? Yeah. 3,000. No. one person. Oh,
1: three.
0: 12
1: to 16. Wow.
0: Yeah, I was like, maybe. I mean, it's a range, so you could maybe 16 in toothpaste. But that was surprising to me, in a way. But then I counted, and I'm like, if you're doing your makeup, yeah, there's your eye makeup, cheeks, lips. Kind of checks out. But in the solo scene, I think we'll use three. Mm. You can mix it. Maybe it's a moisturizer. Maybe it's a mascara. Just like, I just think natural skin is quite beautiful and like i understand wearing makeup and doing your hair for confidence but i feel like the confidence wouldn't be necessary if people weren't judging you for having bare skin does that make sense like
1: yeah i know i think it's a i think it's a feedback loop i think the more women see other women wearing makeup the more they feel the pressure to wear makeup to fit in and so it kind of keeps going and it's not just women of makeup but Men do the same things as well. Money, shoes, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think makeup's cool. Shouldn't it? like It's fun sometimes, and it's just like, I think anyone should use it. I feel like it shouldn't be as gendered. Because it's like, maybe it's your wedding day and you have a, a spot in your a man and you want to cover it. Like, that should just be like, mm-hmm. that's fine. You're getting a lot of pictures taken on the day. This isn't normal for you. Like, I just think makeup should be a bit more... What's the word for it? There's not really a word. I'll try and explain this concept of like a bit more the way like skincare is, it's a bit more in that category of like it's good for you. Whereas a lot of makeup that we wear now is just actively bad for you. Like yeah. it actively clogs your pores and, and makes it, you look like
1: it is, it's kind of in cahoots with the skincare.
0: Exactly. Like
1: the dentist who gives you the chocolate afterwards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What about tanning? Tanning doesn't that kill you? Yeah. I don't want to give any medical <laughs> opinions on this podcast.
0: Well, it's just like UV rays feed the skin yeah. cells.
1: I've always thought the pasty skin looks fine. I don't really get the kind of, oh, pasty. It's like, that's a yeah. skin color.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just think there's a lot of things that are a feedback loop in this industry, and we need to just like. You're pasty. Yeah. yeah. But I just kind of own it. <laughs> <laughs> because I can't be bothered to tan or wear makeup or bronzer or anything like that. But trying to if you have the confidence, the kind of delusional confidence to just, like, go in the world, bare skin, bare mm-hmm. hair.
1: But it goes back to the repose. Yeah. You know, there's, it's a, like, obviously we're doing this whole semester about clothes and hair and things like this. Mm-hmm. But, fundamentally, there's, if you're all kind of happy with yourself, then it won't really matter if your hair is, like, a little bit mm-hmm. spriggy.
0: Yeah, and I think, I wanted to talk a bit about how hair and makeup can be an alternative to clothing in a sort of way of like, I really find it cool how women used to do their hair before we had all of the tools that we have now, like all the heat and stuff.
1: You mean crazily?
0: Yeah, in a crazy way. Flowers in the hair. You were saying, I guess, with the accessories. And I think tiny things like this are really cool ways to express yourself in a less unsustainable way as like buying a new dress every time you go maybe you just buy a new hair clip where you just like try a new eye color or whatever yeah
1: there was a style icon in my grade school and everybody just used to roast but i say style icon semi-ironically but now i really think it because she would always put like pencils in her hair and stuff but now i think that's kind of
0: yeah it's, it's like just subtle. like express yourself
1: like whatever you scavenge in the street <laughs> just put it in your hair for later yeah hot dogs
0: you can say that so aristotle you know him yes He was, he made a suggestion on how to limit acquisitiveness, not meaning, like, the acquisition of stuff, Mm -hmm. and he suggested that men should strive for virtue and pursue goods of the body and the soul. I think that's really interesting, and a good Solacene recommendation of, like, striving for goods of the body and the soul instead of goods of the closet.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like that Rick Owens quote that I said a few weeks ago on here about Working out is the modern couture.
0: Yeah, and it's like it can be working out, it could be maybe painting your nails blue. Just like doing fun little things to express yourself that aren't so macro as filling your wardrobe with a lot of things. And in the solo scene it's kind of goes without saying all of these things will not be made out of acetane, they'll be made of like beets, most likely. That's just kind of obvious when we talk about the solo scene, I think.
1: What's something those really big air clips? I was saying meat.
0: Claw clips.
1: Claw clips. Yeah. I always put those on my hand and wrist.
0: <laughs> you do. It's true. Do they hurt?
1: I, I leave them on there until they do.
0: Okay. It's a kind of like character building exercise.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Aristotle would probably learn something from me actually. But he doesn't know much about claw clips.
0: But I don't think he does. Do you want to know what the Garment of the Week is?
1: It's nothing to do with hair? It's not. Nothing made out of human hair? No. Tell me.
0: It's the apron. Ooh. So, apron, this is the transition into the homeware section, comes from napron, which is a, a tablecloth from the 14th century designed to protect the other tablecloth. <laughs> yeah. Which I just find so funny and so 14th century, it's like. Our brains just couldn't, like, couldn't figure it out. So the napron was, like, to to protect the other tablecloth. Mm. And then that word evolved into the word apron in the 17th century. However, aprons as a tool, like, as a something you wear on top of your clothes, have been around proven since the 1300s. And that's just proven in paintings. I'm sure they existed in some form or another before them. Yeah what shocked me was that aprons were in fact originally just the half aprons that cover your lower half so you tie it around your waist and then it covers like your pants or your skirt why i don't know it was just like i feel like when you think about like inventions some things feel like they should probably have been invented sooner It's one of them and it wasn't until the 1700s that they added a pinafore and the reason it's called a pinafore is because they would pin like the upper piece of fabric to their dresses and then it wasn't until the 1800s that they thought, instead of pinning it to ourselves, let's put a tie around our neck. Mm. And that brings us to the apron that I have as an example. And it wasn't also until the 1800s that they started being pretty. Like Until, until then, they were just very simple and white and basic. Maybe you can hold it up. I
1: don't I'll know. explain it. This is a dusty pink apron with white lace lace detailing yeah that's about it
0: and it's a cross back one so this is the most full coverage apron it's a bit more close to a dress so a lot of aprons don't cross in the back they keep the back fully exposed because like often you're not going to get anything in your back but this is better for if you're painting or doing something that you need to wipe your hands so you don't wipe on the backs of your pants or your dress
1: when's the last time you wore it
0: i wore an apron yesterday i think doing what baking mm. yeah
1: <laughs> what were you baking
0: I made marshmallow cookies.
1: Yeah, exposing all the problems. <laughs> Not just marshmallow. Marshmallow mm. tapioca. Mmm.
0: Marshmallow, tapioca.
1: Marshmallow tahini.
0: Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so healthy. And then they kind of died out in the 1980s because, you know, people weren't like doing those types of things. Maybe
1: something were. to do with microwave dinners.
0: Yeah, like people weren't cooking the way that they used to But then apparently the bloggers revived them. I've
1: the bloggers. Yeah. The tried wives.
0: Yeah. And I can agree to that. And a word on smocks. So smocks are the full coverage, like sleeves. What you kind of wear when you were like a kid painting in school, those are smocks. Yeah. Because then it keeps you completely protected. And I think smocks are great, especially in schools.
1: You makes make a soul scene smock.
0: Yeah, I thought about that. Maybe I'll jump on that. Let me know in the comments or email us if you would be interested in a soul scene smock. Because I will, I'll get on that. that. You yeah,
1: you could call it the kids, the kindergarten smocks.
0: Yeah, and one more thing is that I think it's cool how these spam professions. Like, obviously, we're talking about cooking, and like chefs wear them, like the ones that go over their heads and hide yep. on the back. But blacksmiths wear them. Painters obviously wear them. Doctors wear smocks. Like there's a lot of different industries that wear them, and I think it's cool and very solo scene mm. to have a piece of clothing that's a bit more rough and tumble and you can just like wear it on top of your clothes keep your clothes in better shape have to wash them less yeah and that's just something we should probably strive for in general I think we're going to talk a little bit about clothing maintenance later but just like you don't need to wash your clothes every day
1: no I think it's key I think it's key to have something like this I haven't owned an apron in many years since I was a kid and I was going through my master chef phase but I have almost always had a junk sweater that I will put on Hmm. when cooking, especially cooking something that will spit back at me or that has flour involved or something like that, mm-hmm. or painting, let's say. And actually, I recently got rid of mine, my junk sweater, and have really felt that absence. Mm-hmm. So kind of my only option now when I'm doing something like that is just to strip clothes, hmm. just, to, just to be naked.
0: Yeah, put but your skin on the line. Yeah,
1: it comes with its own problems. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so homewares. We have a home.
1: Correct. Lots
0: of people listening probably have a space that they decorate and care for. Yeah. And so I'm going to start with Hegel, the German philosopher. And he was a contemporary of Marx, and they had a lot of similar and contrasting ideas. So Hegel said that human needs transcend that of animals as they can multiply and refine those needs. So you know what I mean by that? It's like animals just like have needs, but humans, the way our brains work can like Mutate them. Yeah,
1: mutate them, compartmentalize, expand them, explore them, that kind of
0: thing. Yeah. And because of the state of the modern economy, everything private, such as dress and fashion, have become something social. Like I said this earlier, but it's just like our needs are developing and developing and developing because like all of our needs are being met to an extent. Like a lot of people's needs, like we don't have the need for food and housing. So then we're just kind of inventing things. But because we're inventing them, and the way the economy is, it all becomes shared,
1: like a poem, a
0: little bit. Yeah, a little bit like the poem. And I wanted to start with this just to say, like, how interdependent the economy is. And in the arts and crafts movement, which we talked about last week, yeah, it was like that was a sort of desire from the people to make their items beautiful again. But now, when we have the desire for making items beautiful, we don't do it ourselves. We go to Ikea because it's cheaper, going to probably conceptually be easier and better made than what we could do ourselves because we lack all the skills. Yeah. Because despite the efforts of the arts and crafts movement, these skills were not maintained. Like these artisanal craftsmen skills were not.
1: I don't want to get too critical, but I think that it's not even just physical skills of table making or table painting that we kind of lack today it feels a little bit paradoxical because we live in such a pinteresty hashtag aesthetic time mm-hmm. but almost like our aesthetic sensibilities have also been a little bit weakened or simplified to the point that that i think too is the appeal of ikea they can sell mm-hmm. us a whole matching kitchen we don't have to think about it we don't have to try and work on color coordination ourselves yeah ikea that's kind a big of, part does of it. It. like i remember when we were watching i don't know why i keep referencing this on the pod Emma Chamberlain's house tour mm-hmm. and she said, Yeah, you know, it was a really different uh, experience decorating this house. I kind of just looked at things and said, If I like it, I'll guess it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, But that's that's just normal. Yeah. Similar to the intuitive haircutting. It's like that's just Yeah. That's humans' relationship to things. <laughs> like that's For how sure. it is.
0: So a lot of the people I heard talking about this phenomenon of like fast homewares mentioned IKEA and how you can just go in and just buy a room. Like, yeah. you can buy everything in the showroom for under $1,000, and that's yours. Uh-huh. Like, that's just your new kitchen, and that's so absurd to me. And why? it just makes... Because it's just, like, it has no soul. Mm, why? I think you had no actual input into it. If that's what the human experience is, is your sometimes stupid, sometimes poor choice-making yeah. into it.
1: Kind of like the microwave dinner of, of room design. Like, we... We were often mentioning this in our in our previous apartments that despite how meticulously we we'd waited and chosen for almost all our furniture, mm-hmm. we had ended up with everything just a slightly different shade of brown. Yeah, and it didn't really complement. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of our own doing, right? Yeah, like it was our own. It's like the meal that wasn't seasoned that well, but you made it all from scratch and something to that. Yeah, maybe I sound a little bit too like patting ourselves on the back here.
0: No, I think it's still better for the soul.
1: Because we also did buy some things from Ikea. Let's, make, let's talk about those. Okay. The stools.
0: Yeah, that's a good segue into this. So we bought stools, just like bar stools from Ikea, because we were like, gonna wait and try and find them secondhand. We couldn't find any. We we're like, we need these. And one thing is, for $100, how bad can it be? It's not like <laughs> it's $15, right? Yeah. And so, like, the thing with Ikea is, it's like, I feel like the way they price stuff is to make you think it's going to be sufficient quality. Yet it's just sheen quality.
1: Yeah. Sure. And so. They fell apart. This is. Yeah. They, skip to the end.
0: They're, they're just in pieces. Basically, my but, friend has them. And I was over at her house and someone said to her, these stools are kind of falling apart. And she just looks at me and I'm like, I, <laughs> I'm, like I'm sorry.
1: But we should say from Ikea, they were we were missing a piece once for one of the uh, there's a bedside table. Yeah. Would you buy anything from Ikea now, furniture-wise? No. No, I guess because we've had the experience. And yeah. if you say there's the $100, how bad could it be? Pretty bad, actually. Yeah. In terms of quality, but that's beside the point. So we bought one of these bedside tables. It was missing one of the big wooden pieces. <laughs> I asked for it in the mail, like, through their official requesting. They sent us back just a whole other bedside table. Yeah. So now we kind of have two, but one of them is, like, triangular. It's like, we mm-hmm. just nailed it together.
0: Yeah. But it works. It works. There's the trick. And that's the door of ikea you can get two tables for the price of one
1: yeah and it might last the length of one well-made thing.
0: exactly so the fast homewares emerged in 2021 sort of just like as a response to people in the pandemic because everyone was at home obviously ikea has been around for decades but just like zara Sheen, h&m simons all developed like a houseware brand which is made in the same places that the fast fashion. So I won't go into that. It's just like, it's a very new kind of industry. And I'm going to talk a bit about the social phenomenon and kind of like how it can mutate in the solo scene mm-hmm. instead of dwelling on the working conditions. So Guy Debord said, in societies where modern conditions of production prevail, life is presented as an immense accumulation of spectacles. And he defines a spectacle as a collection of images. There's a social relation between people that is mediated by images. And I feel like you would really like that concept of society at the moment because it feels very true that our interpersonal relationships are mediated by images and it's just a series of these spectacles and discrete images because it's like obviously an IKEA room looks great, looks expensive, looks put together, if your parents came over to your new apartment and it looks like an Ikea showroom, it's kind of a shortcut to say they're doing well, Yeah, but then they don't have to actually sit in the stools that fall apart <laughs> and they don't have to like open the cupboard door that just falls off. So of. Sure. a lot of gripes against Ikea, yeah. sorry.
1: But we do also have a really nice bookshelf from Ikea. It's true. They had to lug <laughs> really far, but we think it was made pre Harambe. In 2016 when things went wrong. Old heads will know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting really conspiratorial here.
1: PH. But yeah, we're developing the whole like sourcing mythos and timeline.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in the pandemic, because we were in our homes, there was like a new need for creative freedom in a way that we used to express ourselves in clothes. It was like, no one's going to see me. Yeah. But my house... Like, people kind of turn their eyes towards the house a bit more.
1: I mean, this sounds zany, but I feel like Animal Crossing was not an insignificant part of this. No,
0: game. that's really true.
1: Because Animal Crossing is just a whole game where it's like, buy things. Mm-hmm. on this little 5x5 five five grid that is your house, which you can expand when you pay Tom Look more. Like, yeah. Your house gets bigger, you can get a second floor, all these kind of things. And there's matching sets. You can mm-hmm. just arrange them and have a radio and a rug and all this stuff. And, I mean, this sounds absurdly indoor kid, but I feel like it happened a little bit to a generation or so and people played this and were like wait a second i can kind of do that
0: mm-hmm. in
1: my house and yeah. it's like this mind-blowing moment or something like that
0: yeah and i think because we can own a lot without being super wealthy now yeah. that's also like a very new thing it's like you used to have to be wealthy in order to have like a kitschy little lamp mm. but now it's like you can get a kitschy little lamp for two dollars off of ikea yeah, why not sort yeah. of thing people probably used to think like well, i'm gonna buy a new table it's gonna be like an investment right yeah like the table that we have we got second hand for super cheap but originally it was like four thousand dollars or something like when i look it up on the internet it's just like if you went to a store and a table was priced like that now you'd be like no yeah like i can go to ikea and get one for 15 dollars mm. i keep using that price because i feel like everything at ikea is 15 dollars i think everything <laughs> i feel like you haven't been on the website in a while. yeah like it's probably. more 85 yeah but yeah, it's also just like when you buy things cheaply, you don't have to commit to them because like it is so cheap. You can just kind of roll with it. So I think in the soul scene, obviously, this is coming off of the back of the arts and crafts, artisanal revival that we've had the last week. It's just like things will be made to last to be repaired. Yeah. is very important to be updatable. So like you can repaint, reupholster Whereas things now, like when it's chipboard, you can't repaint it. You can't fix it. Like floorings, like we have vinyl flooring, you can't fix it. Like if you went to the store to buy a piece, it wouldn't fit in. But if you have hardwood floors, they all kind of fit together and you can always, like wood is, literally grows on trees. So there will always be the same wood, right? Like to repair it, but it's not always going to be this sticker pattern that they have on this vinyl floor or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. And so in the soul scene, things made, yeah, to be updatable, repairable, and just, like, maybe sometimes it's going to take more work to assemble it, to install it, but it'll be made to last. Whereas now everything is so quick because it's, like, there's two days in between when the tenant is moving into this apartment and the next one's leaving sort of thing. We have to make this repair really quickly. But in the soul scene, it's, like, Landlords and homeowners will be thinking about these kind of intergenerational like investments. Things won't be so fleeting. And apartment rentals especially, things are so fleeting. Even people who own the building now might not own it in 10 years because mm. that's how it changes over. But we used to think about, like, this is my house. I'm going to give it to my kids. They're going to give it to their kids. So I'm going to install the nice light fixture instead of the cage. We have a cage light fixture in our apartment that's probably just from the dollar store. And it's like
1: weirdly medieval torture room call. <laughs> yeah. That's why we call it the cage, but it does give something of a wit disco ball effect.
0: Yeah. Maybe that's true. what you're going for. Yeah, maybe. Just like, yeah. It's yeah. Just a bit more broad thinking when we think of these these homewares.
1: I have some notes on storage of clothes. Maybe they can be presented a little bit more as a lightning round. To close the episode okay i'll just say them i guess and you just nod <laughs> no okay. you can you can so i was thinking while you're showering in the bathroom mm-hmm. i've always thought there's nowhere to put my clothes
0: that's a really good point
1: we've never had massive bathrooms to be fair true but i think even in the big bathrooms this kind of goes goes amiss having oh wow a little nook for your clothes
0: even because like at the gym there's i just have to like sling them over the door like, yeah
1: well, even in a hotel or something, I'm sure yeah. maybe five star hotels, but I, I I don't think they have a dedicated nook.
0: Okay, Probably I have really like that
1: idea. But a nook for your clothes. Yeah, so you
0: can reach from the shower, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Ten out of ten approve that idea.
1: Nice little nook idea, right? Yeah. I also wanted to talk about feng shui for clothes storage, but quickly realized it was going to take me more than four days to learn enough about feng shui to mm-hmm. not sound like a fool on the podcast. So I guess I'll just say my feng shui ideals try not to annoy yourself with Mm. clothes because I think often we just pile things. We call them affectionately, sometimes not affectionately, mounds. Mounds of clothes. Alicia, when are you going to clean up your mound?
0: Well, the mound is often the intermediate between laundry basket and closet (laughs) because it's like I've worn it once but I don't want to hang it up with the clean clothes but it doesn't deserve
1: I mean, sometimes like if I have a Monday to Friday of of late work days or something Mm -hmm. then the mound is just five days worth of clothes because i just don't want to deal with it yeah but i think in general try and plan ahead like we have a very small apartment studio excuse me mm-hmm. but we we try to do our best not to annoy ourselves with clothes we don't mm-hmm. always succeed in this yeah because very often i'll get annoyed because mm-hmm. my socks are just in a tub yeah in the dark and i'm just rummaging mm-hmm. but you know try not to annoy yourself and the other thing is Maybe try to make it smell nice. I feel like that's a feng shui idea as well. Yeah. Sometimes you spritz that little lavender stuff. I do. On bed sheets. You know, I feel like clothes has an opportunity to be just this pleasant, tied commercial, like embracing the, you know, for people who aren't watching, I'm hugging myself.
0: Yeah, like anti-moth balls. Anti-moth balls. So like balls. little packets of lavender, maybe you put in your drawers. House plants. Yeah.
1: Maybe they're purifying, purifying the air in some way. Also, I was thinking about hooks. Yeah. I love hooks. That's I think great. hooks are really neat. I have this kind of holy grail that I want, which is a blue giraffe hook. Mm. It's a series of hooks in the shape, outline of a giraffe. Do you remember okay. this? Yeah. I think it's also IKEA, but I think it's kind of old mm-hmm. IKEA that I just think would be so fun. Yeah. So, yeah. hooks, I think I need the obsession with like closing closet doors. In fact, this may be cleaning out the closet skeletons in his closet closets have this rhetorical place of you don't want to go in there it's almost like a bathroom it's a secret thing why would you want to go in the closet like well maybe it could be a pleasant thing what do you think about wardrobes
0: i think wardrobes are great i like any kind of fancy pieces of furniture yeah and wardrobes are one of those my dad had a wardrobe and i always was like an armoire they have different
1: names, don't so, yeah. they? I had a, a kind of muddled opinion on this. On the one hand, nadia <laughs> Right? It's kind of like this place of deep wonder. <laughs> if we had one, you know I'd be hiding in it frequently. Yeah. On the other hand, it does take up space. Yeah. Compared to a closet. So I guess it's like, if you had the space wardrobe, also it has a vaguely British connotation to me. I don't know why. It just, oh, my wardrobe, but you don't hear Americans often talking about
0: That's that. That's really true. I maybe mean, it's just the design of British houses. or There's lots closets, right?
1: They do. I was thinking about if you were painting a still life, maybe clothes could be used instead of fruits. Ooh. Also, I was thinking about how much I love the clothes that zip up into themselves. Mm. Did you ever have one of those? A jacket that just becomes a pouch?
0: Yeah, I've had those. I loved them.
1: They're just, it's wonderful, right? Mm. Transformers. Or the pants that maybe zip off into shorts I don't think those are cool these days but I have a pair yeah
0: maybe I'll wear them next week maybe you should yeah next week we should talk about maintenance of clothes because we kind of skirted around it I think a few times just talking about like how like specifics Ironing. how to take care of them yeah, yeah. I think
1: the ancient Chinese invented irons mm-hmm. I think they used to use pens full of hot coals yeah also I have here just written down dreaming of a better shoe rack so, i leave that to the listener's imagination for a week, maybe. Okay. And it will just haunt their dreams. Because shoe racks suck.
0: They do. But
1: it could be cool. Maybe. And I have written sort by new versus sort by color. Because I think that kind of sums us up, you and I. I always sort by new in a closet. Whatever's newest, I put it furthest to the right. Cleanest. Yeah, cleanest. Mm-hmm. But I mean, no, whatever I last wore. Yeah. I will put furthest to the right. Okay. And so the thing that needs to be worn is on the far left Mm -hmm. so i have this intuitive very easy visual to kind of balance things out but you don't do that you have color coding kind of
0: yeah i color code them or i'll sometimes code them by dresses tops bottoms oprah actually coined that new to old thing so oprah you and oprah on the same wavelength
1: well you don't need to tell me that
0: (laughs) Okay, thank you all for listening. We will see you next week for our clothes care episode, and we look forward to that.